0: I was sharing with Pete last week when he was talking about what was going on and I said it's so amazing like when I go overseas and I preach in Greece and Albania 100% of the people that I lay hands on get healed and it's not that we serve a different God over here than we they do over there it's just their hearts just open up and they're so hungry and if God doesn't show up they don't have a doctor to go to they don't have specialists to go see. And so we're so blessed in North America to have all these things that we put our faith more in them than we do in God. Last time I was in Greece, or no, it was the time before, a lady came up, had a broken arm cast prayed on it and she's like oh it's just like it's on fire and she's like i gotta take this thing off and she went and cut her cast off that had been broken two days before she had the x-rays to say my arm was broken and god was just like yeah i don't need to wait that those four weeks or six weeks or whatever just healed her right there god is the same god yesterday today and forever and all it takes is just to believe him that what he said is true you know, we're now go heading into our sixth week on what is so amazing about grace. And the thing that's so amazing about grace is because it speaks the heart of God. It was his response. It was God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. And so we've been looking into what Jesus did because of the grace of God, because of the love of God. But being six weeks in, there's only so much that we can review to get everybody back up on the same page. But if you go to wordchurch.ca and click on the current messages button, you'll have your option. You can watch it on video or you can listen to audio. You can go to iTunes or or, uh, Google to their podcast section and search Word Church Podcast and you'll find all our stuff there. You can download it onto your phone. You can follow us on social, on Facebook or on Instagram at WordChurchSF and all our stuff gets posted there so you don't have to miss out. You know, it's kind of like reading a book. We're six weeks in. You could say we're six chapters in and whenever you read a book, do you ever notice that each one is important? Each one is telling you a different aspect and so if you read chapter one and chapter nine, you by the time you got to nine, you'd be like, hey I have no idea what we're talking about here that's because there was 8 other chapters in between there and so if you need to catch up you can do that on wordchurch.ca but we started with saving grace because that's the one that we mainly focus on as Christians is that Ephesians tells us that we are saved by grace through faith grace was the provision and our only job was to believe and that set precedent for how we deal with God's grace he supplies it We believe it. Your works, your goodness, your badness don't factor into God's equation. All you have to do is believe what he has said about you. And so we started with saving grace and it's really the foundation. But uh, Romans chapter five says that now that we've been justified by faith, which is talking about salvation, it says we have peace with God and that we now have access by faith into the grace in which we stand. So after salvation, grace wasn't used up. We now have access every day by faith into the grace in which we stand. Every day when you wake up, you have the choice to say, God, I believe your grace has surrounded me. I thank you, Lord, that I receive everything I need right now, that your work that you've done for me is enough, and so I choose to walk in victory today. You know, every morning we should have a grace charge up. It's kind of like you go to bed every night and you plug your phone into the wall so that when you wake up in the morning, it's charged up and ready to go. Maybe when the first thing you should do when you open your eyes is say, Father, I thank you for your grace and I receive what you've bought for me today, that I walk in victory. Mm -hmm. Set precedent for your day. Set your tone. You know, so many. I say this because this really resonates with me. We roll out of bed and go, oh, I wish I could have five more minutes. And we think about all the things we'd rather be doing, how much more we should be like uh, like the story of Smith Wigglesworth. When his alarm would go off, he'd jump out of bed, and he would dance. He would dance. And he would just go at it, and he'd make himself happy because he chose that then, that moment, he was starting his day off good with God. And so we talked about saving grace and then we talked about sanctifying grace, that God didn't send his grace just to leave you like you are. He's wanting to perfect you. He's wanting to make you better. He's wanting to empower you every day to be a better person than you were yesterday. And so we receive his sanctifying grace. And when we left off, we're gonna go back there today. We're talking about strengthening grace. And it can be defined as God's power and ability to energize and inspire us to live victoriously, to reign over the challenges and circumstances of life. Everyone say that word with me. Reign. God's intentions for you were not to be reigned over right. by this earth By this world, by circumstances, God's intentions for you are to reign in this life. He said it in Romans chapter 5. He says that because we have received the abundance of grace, we now reign in life. Uh, The Amplified says it great. It says we reign in life as kings. And some people are like, oh, I just don't know if that's talking about me. Um, I'm pretty sure God said that you have been made kings and priests unto him. He is the king of kings, is what the Bible said. So if he's the king of kings, what is that you make his kids? The other kings he's talking about. He's the one that's over them all, but he's called you to reign in life. And he empowers you to do that by his strengthening grace. And so Colossians chapter 1, we'll go back and start there again. In the message translation, I like how it reads. In verse 11, it says, We pray that you will have the strength to stick it out. So Paul is praying for the Colossians. This is what Paul is wanting them to see. He's like, this is what I'm praying over you guys. I want you to come to the understanding of what this is available to you. It wasn't just a wish and a prayer. You know, some people say that. You know what they really mean? I'm saying it, but I don't really believe it's going to happen. When Paul was praying for them, he believed that there was power in his prayers. Do you believe that there's power in your prayers? So he said, I pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth. I like that. He's not just wanting you to bear down and endure it. He says, but the glory strength from God that God gives, it is strength that endures the unendurable, and spills over into joy that's the strength that god empowers you with by his grace that you don't have to just force your way through it he gives you a strength that causes you to endure the unendurable and i don't know why that should surprise us when he says that all things are possible to him who believes He's the God of the impossible. So what was unendurable is now endurable and that you don't have to just drudge your way through it. You can do it with joy. That's why it says through the New Testament so many times, count it all joy when you fall into trials and situations because the trying of your faith produces patience and character and it spills over into hope. What is hope? It's a confident expectation of good things to come. When you find yourself standing in the middle of a less than desirable situation, let hope rise up a confident expectation that there's good things coming your way amen Amen. of all the expectations you could have I would expect God to show up in your life and it says in verse 12 thanking the father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us and I love that he says that Because so much of Christianity believes that God will test them, He will try them, He'll send them through the fire. What does it say that He has for us? Everything that is bright and beautiful. Is sickness bright and beautiful? No. Is pain bright and beautiful? No. Is discouragement bright and beautiful? No. It says here in Jeremiah 29, 11, I. this is God talking through Jeremiah. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for, say it with me, good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. James 1, 17 says, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning which basically just means he doesn't change he's the same every day which means he still gives good gifts he gives perfect gifts and everything else is not from him but you know what the other stuff that does show up in your life you want to know what he says about it he makes it all work together for your good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. So it might not look good that what you're in, but God can take that situation, he can remold it and make it be used for your good. Because that's the God we serve. But you know, many people fall into this category of Matthew chapter 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? I'm gonna have to, I'll be honest, I had a few moments this week where I was tired and I was worn out and I said, you know what, I just don't wanna face today. I I just want to go back to bed. We'll do a restart tomorrow. I don't feel like adulting today. (laughs) And so many people fall into this category. But this next category, many Christians are in. They're tired, they're worn out, and they're burned out on religion. When I say religion, I'm not talking about Christianity as in I believe in God. I'm talking about religion as I'm trying to work my way into a better position to Him. You don't have to work your way for God to love you. His love is perfect. It's never-ending. And it was given to you when you were His ultimate enemy. Not because He chose that. Because humanity chose that in the garden. So we don't have to be burned out on religion. Because here's what He says. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. Which means that in the process of trying to work our way better to be better with God, we're not with him. Because if so, he would have said, are you burned out on religion? Well, turn and be with me. No, it means that when we're trying to work ourselves to God and please God with our actions, we're actually pushing ourselves away from him. And so his advice to us is, come to him. Get away with him and you'll recover your life. He says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Oh, I love that. He says that there's a peace which passes understanding that guards our hearts and minds. Some days you just need to fall into his love and his peace and let him refresh you. Let him bring you into rest. And then he says this. He says, walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy, or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I wanted to start there again this morning because we really need to have our opinions of God correct. You know, everyone has an opinion but they're not always correct ones, right? So we need to format our thoughts to think how God actually is and not attribute man's thoughts of God's on him on him. But to form our thoughts based upon how the Bible told us to view him. And so he has an unforced rhythms of grace that we can just flow with him in. And so last week we were talking about Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, where Paul says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me," which is a great verse because we're talking about what this morning, strengthening grace." And so Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we can really preach this message as a rah, 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 yay, Jesus. I can do all things through Christ. I can take the mountain. I can run through the wall. I can leap over. You know, we can get ourselves stirred up. But we have to understand that there was a reason why Paul had that attitude. Is because he had learned something. He had gone through some things. And he realized there's times where I've been walking without God's strength. And there's times where I've been trying to do it in my own strength. And there's other times that I've learned to use it in God's strength. And he learned that, if we go back in verse 11. He said, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or an empty or with plenty, or with little, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So maybe you're in the position where it feels like you've got little. You can come through it because of Christ. Maybe you're in the position where it feels like everyone has forsaken you. It's okay. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so Paul had to learn that. Because when we're in going through bad situations, we're not always thinking, okay, God, I I know you've got great things for me. No, generally when when, uh, stuff hits the fan, we're like, oh, not again. Come on. My kids are off the wall again this morning. The car broke down again. The fridge is on the fritz. You know, we're thinking about all the other things. When we're in the midst of the situation, where do your thoughts go? Where do your emotions go? Where do your actions go? Paul said that he had to learn that when he's in the thick of it, god is the solution god is the one who strengthens and i love that paul said this i can because so many of us have an i can't mentality it's really true of society in general You talk to someone, and they're going to tell you all the reasons why they can't do something, can't be something, can't have something, why the world's against them. Paul had a different mentality. He had an I can mentality. You know, somebody else in the Old Testament had the opposite mentality, or yeah, in the Old Testament had an opposite mentality of what Paul did. And that was a man named Moses. We've all heard him, heard of him before. He's the one that led the children of Israel up out of Egypt, uh, out of Egypt in the book of Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 3, we find Moses hiding. He's murdered an Egyptian, and he's now on the run, and he's hiding far away, and he was, tr- he was raised up to be, really, his position in the household. He was going to be the general of the Egyptian army, and now here he is a shepherd out in the middle of nowhere. He's hiding from what he was raised to be. And in verse 1, we find Moses, he's tending, it says he's tending his flock, uh, the flock of Jethro, who was his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to Horab, the mountain of God. And while he was on that mountain, there with his sheep, he was taking a walk, and he sees this burning bush. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And I love how the, the Message Bible says it. It says, Moses said to himself, This is amazing. I should turn aside and find out why this is. I love that it gave the internal monologue of what Moses was thinking. And so he turns aside to the bush, and God calls to him from the bush and says, Moses, this is holy ground. Take off your sandals. And so he takes off his sandals. He comes before the bush, and God says, I'm going to send you back to Egypt, and you're going to free your people. Do you want to know what Moses' response was? I can't do that. And so God peps him up again and tells him all the reasons why he can. And you know what Moses' response was again? I can't do that. And so God says, you know what? I'm going to send you before Pharaoh. You're going to speak for me. You're going to be my mouthpiece. And Moses says again a third time, I can't do that. I can't talk. I I stutter. I slur. I'm not good with words. And finally God is like, Moses, you're so annoying me. I know you can do this, but just to humor you, here comes Aaron. He'll talk for you. And I have to tell you, if you read the rest of the story, Aaron never does any talking. Moses does all of the talking. So God knows your I can'ts and I won'ts or I shouldn'ts. And he wants you to let go of them and say, yes, I will. And it took an entire chapter of God talking to Moses to finally get him to go to his his father-in-law and say, hey, buddy, I'm out of here. Sorry, here's your sheep back. I got to go rescue my people. It took him a whole chapter of conversation with God. How many times has God been speaking to you where He's wanting you to let go of your I can'ts, I won'ts, I shouldn'ts, I can't? It's just not going to work out. And to take on the I can mentality. I got to tell you a secret this morning that word desert right there is the word midbar. And it literally means a place of wilderness, a place of isolation. But do you know what the root word for the word midbar is? I know you don't, so I'm going to tell you. (laughs) It's the word devar, which literally means to speak, declare, to command, to threaten, to sing. Now what does that have to do with your wilderness? The way in and out of your wilderness is in your mouth. Your complaints have got you to where you are and your praise will get you out. Why do you think Paul said, I've learned that whatever situations I'm in, I can. Your mouth will keep you in a prison, but it can also be the the part that God uses to break those walls open and set you free. That's That's why Paul... We talked about his major trial last week, or two weeks ago, which was, was, they called it the thorn in the flesh. Paul said, I prayed to God three times, get rid of this thorn in the flesh, which was these people that Satan was stirring up against him to try and tear down what he was building up. And he said to God, "I, I asked, take it away from me three times. And the religious perspective on it is that God said, no, suck it up. But that's not actually what God said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Why was his grace sufficient enough? Because his grace strengthens you every day. The grace that God has given you is enough for the situation you're in. God wasn't telling Paul to suck it up. He was saying, you've already got what you need. And you're in the same position as Paul. He has given you more than enough than you will ever need to escape the situation and come out victorious on the other side. And so he said, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. My strength is made perfect when you get out of the way, is basically what he said. You are weak but I'm strong. Just because you've stumbled into something less than desirable hasn't changed God's position. He's still on the throne. He's still all-powerful. He's still almighty. And he still loves you, and he's going to bring you through. And so he says, my grace is enough. It's better when I'm strong. Get your weak butt out of the way. And then Paul says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather, say the word with me, boast. How do you boast about something, may I ask? With your mouth? So Paul, in the midst of his worst situation, the one that he was pleading out to God, God, take it away, realized, grace is here. God's strength is more than mine. Let's go ahead and start talking about it. He said, I won't, I'll boast in my infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I love what Jeremiah 17 says. It says, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, and they turn their hearts away from the Lord. It says, they are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in a barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. That just doesn't seem like hallelujah. (laughs) But the verse didn't end there. It said, but... Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the riverbank with the roots that reach deep down into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. My God, he's talking about you. The the droughts may come. There may be heat, but your roots go down deep into God. Your leaves stay strong and you keep producing fruit what did David said yes though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil because you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you can go through hell and come out unsinged on the other side because God is with you and the strength he gives you is enough for the day you're in And so we go back to Colossians 1. He says, I pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is the strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy. You need to do a little dancing while you're in the desert. Because your roots are strong and it shall not shake you. You won't be moved. What the devil wants you to think is that you're going under, that it's all breaking apart, that everything is going to be horrible forever. He's a liar. That's right. He doesn't know how to do anything but lie. That's right. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's important for us to note. He said, he strengthens us. That denotes a continual motion. Most people treat it as I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. But you know what? Strength starts to fail as you use it up, right? But you're in a position where you'll never be depleted because every time you choose to draw upon His grace, He continually strengthens you. There's a constant infusion of His strength when we draw from His grace. And why is that important? Because problems never show up when you're at your best. You're rushing the kids out the door trying to get them to school and you turn the car, crank the car. Seriously, we're late. You know, they never come out when you've got all your ducks in a row. The problems always attack you when you're at your weakest. And so when we create a lifestyle of drawing upon his grace, we are strengthened for every moment. The good ones and the bad ones, the ones we saw coming and the ones we didn't see coming. If we look at Jesus here, in Luke chapter 4, we find him, he's just been filled with the Holy Spirit, he's been baptized by John, he's having a hallelujah moment, the heavens parted, the Holy Spirit came down, and God called down from heaven and said, that's my boy, I love him, I'm well pleased. So Jesus is coming off a high moment, and then in verse 1 of chapter 4 it says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the... Wilderness, into a desert place. And it says, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. And Jesus ate nothing at all, and all that time, and became very hungry. So Jesus has been 40 days without food. He's now hungry. He's at a moment of weakness. He's not at tip-top shape. You don't eat for 40 days, you start to lose your strength. Jesus is not at his best. Are you getting the point that I'm trying to make here? Yes. Verse 3, Then the devil said to him. You notice the devil waited? He didn't attack him at his peak when he was going, Hallelujah, I'm God's Son, filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the devil showed up? No, he waited until Jesus was at his worst. And then the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. Many days ago, God said, you're my son. He's hoping that after 40 days, Jesus has forgotten that. He said, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. He plays on his weakness. He's hungry. Make this stone a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him. How do you tell someone something? With your mouth. mouth. Mm -hmm. He says, no, the scriptures say that people do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says, I'll give you all the glory of these kingdoms and the author- have authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. And surprisingly, this is actually not a lie. The devil wasn't lying to him. Adam forfeited it all to him in the garden. But you know what? They didn't stay in his hands. Just a few short years down the road, Jesus squished the old buggers' head and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave and said, you lost. Hey, kids, my kids, my beloved kids, Jesus' brothers, here's the keys. So he wasn't lying to Jesus here. But he says, I'll give it all to you if you'll worship me. And Jesus replied. How do you reply? He he didn't hit the, the arrow button on his email They were having a conversation here, right? You reply with your mouth. He said, the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For surely the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And Jesus responded. And how do you respond? With your mouth. mouth. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. He realized this is not a good time. Your strength has not failed you. You still know how to get me whipped. You tell me to get lost. And you realize the devil has to listen to you just like you listened to Jesus He said, All authority has been given unto me. And then he said to his kids, Here, go. He says, If you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. If you you speak to those who are filled with the evil spirit, it has to go. So he left him until he had another opportunity, meaning he was going to wait until Jesus had another moment of weakness. And you know when that came? In the garden. Jesus was sweating blood because he was under so much strain and he was about to take on the sin of the entire world. And he's saying to his father, Just let this cup pass from me. And this time Jesus said, You know what? I'm going to lay down my life. The devil couldn't take it from him, just like it can't take it from you. You're stronger. You have to let him. So the devil left until his next opportunity. But what happened with Jesus? It says, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. In his moment of weakness, when he's 40 days without food, he beats the devil and comes out like nothing happened. And you're looking at your situation saying, I don't know how I'm going to get over this. I know how you're going to get over it. You're going to come out with power. You're going to come out better than when you went in. Because God's going to work it all together for your good. But you know, strengthening grace is not just for crises. It's not just for when you're in the hard times. You can draw on God's strengthening grace just as much in the good times. Because he's not moved by whether you're having a good day or a bad day. His grace remains the same. And he told us in Hebrews 4.16, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And you can kind of think of that as, well, I'm in a situation, so now I need it. I've found it's better to have something before you need it. Right? Right? to take your keys with you rather than have to go back into the house and get them. It's better to have God's grace and be strengthened before you need it. And that's why I said we should start our days with drawing on his grace. Because you will need it. You can do nothing without his strength. When you default back into your own strength, you may have a few good days, but they won't all be that way. Here's what the, the, happened with the d- disciples. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, it says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So they did good works, great works, they healed the sick, they raised the dead, and great grace was with them. Verse tw- Chapter 20, verse 32, it says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. We already talked about his sanctifying grace. Chapter 5, of verse 17 of Romans says, Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign through one, Jesus Christ. So we need to do some confessions this morning. Because if this is all about how we get out of our our wilderness, we get out with our mouth, maybe we should make some good confessions that the Bible says about us, rather than all the can'ts, wouldn'ts, shouldn'ts, never going to happen. We get to push them all out of the way, and we get to say what God actually says about us. You ready to do some confessions this morning? How about we do this one? I am a new creation. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a child of God, I am an heir of God, and I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I am His workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I am delivered from the power of darkness and I have been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. I am an overcomer because greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror through Him who loves me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah! That's who I am and that's what I can do. The devil can lie to you all day long and it still makes him a liar. That's who you are and that's what you can do. And I love what God said through Isaiah as we wrap this up here this morning. He said, Fear not, for I am with you. I feel like someone needs to hear that this morning. God has not left you. He is still right there by your side just as willing to help you as He's ever been. He said, Fear not, Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You're not going under. You're going over. Because His grace is strengthening you. Now, maybe you've been watching this morning via the internet and you haven't had an introduction with the saving grace of God. That is the beginning. And all it takes is for you just to reach out and to call upon the name of the Lord. It says, all those who call on His name shall be saved. And so we're going to pray this morning. I want you to pray right along with us and just accept Jesus into your heart. So we say, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you raised Him from the dead. And we, Lord, and we declare Him as Lord, and we receive Him right now. We him right now. And we thank you, thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with us via the internet, I want you to get in contact with us so we can get some resources into your hand and get you hooked up with a good church in your area. If you're in our area, we welcome you to come and join us. We're gonna have, we have lots of fun, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it once you get here. You know, this week you're going to have opportunity. You always have opportunity for grace. Take that opportunity. It'll change your day. It'll change your week. It'll change your destiny. So Father, we thank you for your precious grace that you gave to us by your love. Your word says we stand in it every day. So by faith, we receive what we need. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys are all blessed. Let's have a wonderful week. Let's have some coffee and fellowship.